Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I trust something you hear in this next hour may just open you to a new way of looking at love, understanding love, evolutionary love, and our most significant relationships. The planetary crisis that's going on all around us has left many of us feeling isolated and alone, not capable of making a difference in the world. Yet my guests today believe that realizing evolutionary love, uniting the creative forces emerging from the heart within a couple, exponentially multiplies what is possible. Evolutionary love relationships, when dedicated to a common vision, unleash energies bigger than anything we have ever seen before, grounded in both the sacred and the world, and fully embodied with sacred purpose. Evolutionary love relationships invite us to move beyond the privatized world of coupleship and into a deepening bond that can transform the world we live in. I'm looking so forward to this conversation this morning. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind. Connect with your heart. And settle into your essential wholeness as I welcome our guests. Two prolific authors, both powerful masters of sacred activism, Two evolutionary voices that are guiding the transformation of love relationships on our planet. They are the co-authors of the book, Evolutionary Love Relationships. Andrew Harvey and Chris Saadi, welcome both of you. Thank you so much for having us on. How wonderful. Yeah, mm. thank you. Thank you very much. So happy to be um, with your show. Thank you. Thank you both. I'm looking forward to this. And I, I have to tell you, I was really moved by this book. And I'm going to speak more about that in just a minute and, and tell you why. But I do have a tradition on the show. And Andrew has been with me a couple times. So, Chris, I'm going to direct this question to you first, because I'm very curious about your response. If you could share with our listeners, what is All Things Connected? mean to you? That's the title of our show, All Things Connected. <laughs> okay. All Things Connected. That is, that is crucial. That is so important. What, uh, the first thing that comes to me is that in the depth of my being, I am connected to the journey of all beings. If they are sentient or if they are of nature itself, be it um, the trees, the rivers, the waters, that there is a, and also an, an amazing connection with the ancestors, with all those who worked for freedom, for justice, for global peace, and a connection with the children of the future. So in the depth of my being, although I'm an individual unique being like each one of us is, yet in my depth, I am one with the struggle and the dream and the hopes for freedom of every living entity 
Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. That is a beautiful introduction to this book as well. I have to tell you, so I'm reading this book and I'm, I'm really feeling the essence of both of you in this book and the power of your individual autonomous voices were just so amplified by bringing yourselves together to write this book. It's a beautiful and yet uh, a provocative and powerful motivator for for so many reasons. And I, I just really appreciate what comes through this book with such clarity. Clarity, and I'm gonna. I'm even gonna read a few little quotes in the show today because they're so powerful, and so it's not only just this um, beautiful, revolutionary, evolutionary guide for us, but it's poetic. It is so poetic and yummy. So I appreciate you bringing your essence and then demonstrating what an evolutionary relationship is between the two of you. So let's start there and define this for our listeners, because this might be the very first time they've ever heard of the term or that phrase of those words put together, evolutionary love relationship. What is evolutionary love and what is an evolutionary love relationship? Well, let me jump in and just say, I'm so glad that you said that about the book, because when I met Chris, which was now eight years ago, when he and his wife were opening a wonderful center in Charlotte dedicated to interspiritual truth called the Olive Branch, I recognized in Chris a true fellow soldier of the heart, someone who really resonated with my soul on the deepest level, who understood at a visceral level the need both for mystical illumination and radical action born out of sacred consciousness. And I haven't met anyone in the American world who not only understood what I was trying to communicate, but was living it in his own unique, brave, totally authentic way. So what then evolved between us was a sacred evolutionary relationship, and I'd like to define an evolutionary relationship as one that has its ground, its deepest base, in a meeting of the soul, but a meeting of the soul that is dedicated to the transformation of the planet, to the transformation of earth life into a wholly new kind of divine human life that is now possible and that is the secret meaning of this tremendous global dark night that we're in. So I'm hoping that people who come to this book, Evolutionary Love Relationships, will have First of all, a taste of what it, an evolutionary love relationship is in the meeting of hearts and minds and experiences that Chris and I are modeling in the book, which is why the book couldn't have been written, I don't think, except as a dialogue between two loving and independent but interdependent souls. But what I want to say, too, about evolutionary love is that, for me, the characteristic of evolutionary love that's most important is that when two people fall in love, either as friends or as lovers, they use that love not just to create a private oasis, a private garden of joy, which is important, but to create a field, 
of intense holy energy from which they can draw to do their related work of sacred activism in the world. So that's my definition, Chris. Does that ring with you? Um, yes, definitely it does. And I'm, I'll, if I, I'll add a couple of things, if I may. Uh, for me, uh, working with Andrew on this book was a moment of beautiful uh, friendship, um, delightful friendship and action. And, um, and, of course, to be with Andrew's soul and to, to, to bring my soul to it and to enter into that dialogue and to let the dialogue guide us. But two things here I, I, I want to underline. What, what I find so beautiful in that uh, love relationship, love friendship that I have with Andrew, is one, there was a deep respect of each other's authenticity. There was a deep respect of each other's unique being. You know, totally respecting Andrew in his unique um, Andrewness, so to speak, that is so beautiful, and a respect of my own authenticity and unique being. And that is tremendously important when we talk about evolutionary love, because we have to be able to shift the paradigm of trying to change the other person to the paradigm of upholding their authenticity, upholding their unique incarnation that is happening in them. Second, it is, like Andrew said it so eloquently, it is to be able to dedicate um, the energy that is born out of a friendship or a romance or a family, to dedicate that toward bettering the world, toward bringing greater justice and greater peace, because in that dedication, love is multiplied and passion not only is, is, is born, but is, is, uh, is maintained. So it is that two people honoring each other's authenticity, supporting each other's authenticity. And I felt that with Andrew. Andrew supports me in being Chris, not being an image of, of a spiritual person that we want to impose on others. But Andrew has consistently supported me in, in being Chris, and I hope I've done the same for him. Oh, and yes. then dedicating that energy, dedicating it to the greater service, because it is there where passion is maintained, and then we have more passion then to bring to the friendship, bring to the romance, bring to the family. Mm. And I think there's one more thing, Chris, which I think is really important, and that is that you and I share 95% of our views as totally consonant, but there are different emphases and different approaches. So we don't have to agree completely on everything to be totally right. aligned. In fact, in my experience of learning from you, some things I disagreed with at the beginning of our friendship and we worked them out wildly and beautifully, I've been able to absorb and integrate into my vision because of your willingness to accept that disagreement and to work with it. So in evolutionary love, you're not asking people to surrender to some kind of vague unity. You're working towards an interdependent independence in which both beings feel completely sustained, supported, respected, and loved, and in which both people can find themselves integrating the other at levels which are natural to them. And this is very important for the next stage of relationship, I think, for everyone. Well, I... 
I can't say more about that. I'm going to just going to jump in here because I think just following that thread, Andrew, for me is so important. This book is pioneering and it's not only for the next stage of our relationships, but I've already reverse engineered this whole book while I'm reading and I'm going, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the key for so much. Let's talk about yes. the, the really big picture of this global dark night. This isn't a book about love relationships and how to keep your passion alive and how to how to oh, be God, married no, longer. It's nothing like that. It really is about this synergistic convergence of two hearts in service of something greater than themselves. You use the terms... Um, I see if I can re remember the, the privatization of, of relationship. We, we've come into a relationship historically on this planet as two people that go into this secluded place that you mentioned earlier in the call already. But this practice of really this authenticity and unique being and respecting that, but also then converging our true heart's passion into service of the whole and doing it together in support of one another and yet um, in tandem with one another, it really does evolutionize not only relationships, but our potential to heal the planet. Absolutely. Very, very much so. And, and if I might, if I might mm. add something here that uh, or resonates with what you're saying, Julie, which is so powerful and beautiful, beautifully said, that what we're understanding today, and this is the good news, I mean, by understanding the psychology of authenticity in its depth and the spirituality of authenticity, and by understanding also the psychology and spirituality of solidarity, solidarity with the world, there is, there is something that today is is uh, very powerful, and but also very doable. Because when authenticity is respected, when two people come together, not to change each other, not to have a, 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 you know, a, a better version of the other person, but to be able to fully support, to say, I am here to support your authenticity and uphold your personality, your desires, your heart calling, then they are able to come together and co-create a vision of service. Because if there is no respect for the authenticity, then there'll be one or two, I mean, depending if it's a family or one in a, in a relationship, that is imposing somehow their vision of service on the other. So service happens with passion and with, with this giving of the heart when we know that truly two people are co-creating together that vision and co-creating it out of this absolute respect of the authenticity of the other. Hmm. I really appreciated that dialogue in the book, Chris, from your perspective. Um, when I first read it, I'm going, okay, authenticity and solidarity. And um, the first couple of times I read through it, I'm like, okay. And I was, I was admittedly a little dismissive of it, like not even really absorbing it and just continued reading. But the message that you're bringing with authenticity and solidarity is really crucial 
to this evolutionary love relationship and the healing of our planet. It really is moving our relationships into, it's not just allowing someone to be their authentic self. It's really a much deeper understanding of who we are as gifted beings so unique and different from one another. And I really appreciate the maturity that comes through as a, a prescription for our relationships. Yeah. Well, I would yeah. love to read a passage that I love from Chris, because I think this goes to the heart of his unique contribution. Please do. We need to choose to ennoble the expression of our authenticity, but we cannot reconstruct our fundamental nature. The integrity of authentic personalities in their large array of diversity has to be respected. An approach which is respectful of authenticity affirms individual specificity and calls for a solid partnership that respects freedom, as well as a partnership that jointly pursues causes of solidarity and social justice. Such an approach does not ask for change in our authentic nature. Rather, it encourages a conscious and intentional decision to develop one's authenticity into a full-bodied expression of love. It is neither our nature nor our authenticity that is changed or needs to be changed. Actually, the flowering of love comes from a deep and mutual respect of authenticity as well as our inherent connection with global solidarity. The approach of individual authenticity and global solidarity reflects the foundational principles of democracy in our daily lives, utmost importance of freedom, partnerships based on freedom, respect of diversity, and the necessity of engaged citizenship. Mm. I think the way in which Chris moves from the psychological to the social to the political so effortlessly goes really to the core of why his vision of authenticity, which marries my own vision of what I've discovered to be authenticity through my own personal mystical transformation, that this vision is genuinely evolutionary because it connects the depths of the individual self to the true free love between individual authentic selves to the cause of democratic freedom in the world that is, I believe, as Chris believes, the container for a massive shift in humanity, a shift from the old hierarchical models of power, which are now clearly destroying everything, to a model of collaboration and co-creativity in which human potential will be unleashed on a scale that we have never seen and can hardly barely imagine to restore and renovate our terrifyingly endangered world. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I, much so. Yeah, I, I would just jump in here and just um, pause with that medicine for our soul and for our psyche as humanity, like literally understanding this premise that begins this conversation is good medicine for us, not only in our private relationships, but as we start to really evolve our most personal relationships, again, we can see ourselves and shift the consciousness on the planet because we're talking about this diversity. We're honoring it. We're loving it. We're welcoming yeah. it. And Chris, I'm just, if you want to say anything more about that, I'm really 
curious as to um, really grounding this this shift in consciousness with relationships is really, I'm a psychotherapist too. It's ah. different than what we've taught. It's different than what, yes. what people do. It's, it's not, it's not enter a relationship and see if you can be married for 50 years and, and have a golden celebration. It really is a whole new way of looking at our most personal relationships. It is. It's very much is. You know, uh, um, Julie, when Andrew uh, underlined for us the word sacred activism, I think he rocked our consciousness. I mean, he rocked it. It's like we couldn't, we couldn't uh, be the same anymore because Andrew took like a huge highlighter and put it under sacred activism that love is love in action. Love is, is how, can, how can we say we love if we are not... Uh, 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 grieving and concerned and caring about about the ecological environment that we live in how can we say we love when when children refugee children refugee children are dying out of not having enough medical care and food and water so so that is so powerful and what what um what fascinated me is how is sacred activism maintained and empowered well First of all, relationships are, are, are tremendously important in our lives. So, and there is, there is like, and you know, I'm sure you know that through your, your work and your interviews, Julie, that there is a great exhaustion that is happening in relationship. And so that right. exhaustion, yeah. instead of helping, that exhaustion is holding people back from getting involved in sacred activism because they're so exhausted trying to keep a relationship alive. And part of the problem here, and part of the solution, the problem is that we have been stuck for a long time into this mythology of change. How can I change myself? How can I change you? And then we have seen couples, and I have seen them personally, stuck in that dialogue with each other about change and change and change and change. But when the dialogue reverses, and the dialogue becomes, honey, how can I support you? becoming the fullness of your unique being. How can I support you flower into your own idiosyncrasy, into your own specificity, into your own holy craziness, so to speak? How can I be there for you so you can be the tree that you were created to be? Well, then there's a whole new dialogue in couple therapy. Then there's a whole new dialogue in, in families. And it is a freeing dialogue that frees then the energies to be able to be available to say now, okay, it's not, it's not only about a privatization of relation, another privatization of authenticity, because authenticity in its depth, we go back to the question you asked me, uh, Julie, in the very beginning about that connectedness. When I look at my own authenticity, there is my own idiosyncrasies, my own personality, but there is also that in my authenticity, I am connected to everything. I am connected to the dream of the ancestors. I'm connected to the great dream of freedom. So when I, I, am, I feel supported by my partner around my authenticity and I'm supporting them in their freedom, then the energy is available to be able to say our authenticity can only thrive in sacred activism, can only thrive in love and action. Otherwise, it will, it will shiver. It will shiver and, and get constricted and die. 
So the coming together of this radical respect of the freedom of authenticity with this passion, passion for sacred activism, bringing these two together, I think, is the good news, because it, it transforms the dialogue and opens it up toward liberation and service. Mm. This is so important what Chris is saying, and this is the reason why I have such reverence for Chris's work, and this is the reason why I was so thrilled to do this dialogue with Chris, because as somebody who began the global movement of sacred activism, which is now, of course, gathering enormous strength as we face the extents of the crisis, yes. as I began this movement, the deep question at the core of my heart was how do we sustain this movement? How do we bring all the different forces of inspiration in our human world to bear upon this revolution of the heart that inspires people to really risk putting love into action? And what I've been doing over the last few years is working with people who have extraordinary corners of inspiration, extraordinary insights. I wrote a book with a great musician, Seymour Bernstein. Our dialogues are about how music can inspire you to find the deepest levels of truth inside yourself and then put that into action. I've just finished a book with a great sacred dancer, Benafshe, which really works with how dance can be a wonderful way of fueling resistance and initiating us into the sacred joy of life. And with Chris, the real key point is what he's shared so beautifully. The real key point is that in our culture, which is a culture of narcissistic isolation, relationships become a kind of fantasy in which people lose themselves and can easily become tremendously paralyzed and depressed and deeply anesthetized mm. to the pain of the world. And this is part of the plot if you like, of an unconscious world to keep unconscious so that it can go on devastating everything. What I've understood from my own journey is that the evolutionary leap that's being prepared for us it has nothing to do with either the privatized vision of the self of Western society or the isolated pursuit of liberation at the heart of a great deal of Eastern metaphysics. What is really about trying to be born is a race of individually realized beings who have awoken to the interdependence of everything and so are delighted to work in what I call cohorts of souls together to bring about the great revolution of the Divine Mother that's trying to be born through and in this enormous chaos. So there mm. will be no evolutionary leap without a surrender both of the narcissistic private self that the West has so cultivated and the surrender of the lonely pursuit of liberation that the East has cultivated. We need to bring together the greatest understanding of the West, which is the understanding of the irreducible individuality of every being and its dignity and the necessity for social, economic, and political transformation. We need to bring that great contribution of the West and marry that to the very profound understanding of divine identity and tantra and the sacred marriage of transcendence and eminence that is the glory of the eastern path so 
Crystal My Vision is really a fusion of what we believe to be the noblest in Western culture with what we believe to be the most dynamic and thrilling and empowering of Eastern culture. And this mirrors the marriage that is trying to take place in the global heart-mind at this moment to birth an embodied divine humanity that is in humble interdependence with everything, that is deeply woken up to its own divine truth and so able to work with divine joy and divine confidence and divine energy in what is going to be a terrifying crisis which threatens us on every level. Mm, Okay, so this is a beautiful place to just pause and let that soak in. We need to take a break, but there's so much more to be said about this divine human and what's happening and how to really activate ourselves. And literally, again, I'm holding in my book, we're talking with authors, co-authors of Evolutionary Love Relationships, Andrew Harvey and Chris Saadi. And we are going to talk so much more right after a short break. We'll be right back. a day in the new empower radio app music to empower your meditation help you relax sleep or provide a calm background while you work the empower meditation channel is interruption free listen now with the empower radio app free in the app store or listen online at empower.fm soothe your soul calm your mind the empower meditation channel today in school i learned a lot in chemistry i learned that no one likes me In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. In English, and in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today. The only thing I didn't learn today. The only thing I didn't learn is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome to the ocean. I've sailed the seven seas a hundred times and found something I like even more than me treasure. Tis the ocean, beautiful and clear. Right now, I'd be sailing over the Great Barrier Reef. It just shivers me timbers thinking of all the fish and coral below me. Wait, what's that floating by? The plastic bag! By Blackbeard's eye patch, that's disgusting. Why did you know that many of these things come from folks throwing them carelessly on the ground? It'd be true. Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. Boys, get the plank ready. Somebody's got to dive in and get that bag. Any volunteers? All right, fine. I'll do it myself. Cannonball! 
Find out what you can do to help keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adding light to the world, one heart at a time. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, I hope you are inspired by the conversation as much as I am today. I invite you to share it with others and listen to it again and again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com and you can always find us on empowerradio.com. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I am here with evolutionary love authors, Andrew Harvey and Chris Sahad. And I am in love with this book and the potential medicine that literally exudes off of every page. I'm going to read, Andrew and Chris, I just want to read two quotes and really drive home. They're, They're short ones, but come into this conversation of the divine human, which I think is an important one for all of us to really embrace. So, um, here's the first love is indivisible. Love is an outpouring from the divine heart into our own hearts. The more we care for humanity and for the earth, the more we let the river of love flow abundantly through our hearts. Love is and must be love for all. And then the second one, another short one, true fulfillment streams from the relationship of the soul with the beloved Because only the beloved can fill the God-sized hole in our hearts. I just love the language and I love the ideas in this book that, that you talk about. But here we're talking about a relationship with the divine. And the whole book really is grounded in a, a real embodied relationship with the divine that moves us into that sacred activism. And there was a, a part in there that, that talked about until we can really embrace this love, we're never fully divine and we're never fully human. And so I would love to hear you speak to this idea about our relationship with the beloved is coming through in these relationships and then why that matters with sacred activism. I really want to bring this home of how serving something greater than ourselves is really about loving ourselves. You talk a lot about this narcissism and um, the lethal self-love versus a healthy, authentic self-love. So who wants to start? Chris, you start. Please. Okay, thank you. I, I, I can't wait also to hear you, Andrew, on that. I am looking forward <laughs> to that. You know, for me, I mean, I'm a survivor of a war. In my 20s, I was in Lebanon when there was, well, the 
same was happening in Lebanon that is happening in Syria today. And I was in the peace movement in Lebanon for about 16 years, and the war lasted a um, couple of de- de- decades. So it was, a, it was a very harrowing experience. And I saw a lot of my friends and my family collapse. I mean, utterly collapse uh, with that experience. What helped me, what helped me be able to survive with my vulnerability, with my woundingness, with my trembling, with my losses, mm. and my imperfection, but what helped me survive was feeling a connection to a presence, to a sacred presence, to the beloved, and also feeling that the beloved was honoring me. And I, I want to underline that, mm. because I think that's very important, because I saw, I saw a lot of people on the spiritual path entering in a love relationship with the beloved, but where the beloved really dishonors who they are. The beloved basically says, you know, you're not good enough, you know, yourself is unworthy. What helped me was to come and realize that I am in a sacred, sweet, tender friendship with a sacred presence, with the beloved, and that the beloved looks at me and says, in your humanity, Chris, I respect you, I honor you, and I uphold you, and uphold who you are. And that relationship saved my life. It saved my life. And I was so touched by that mystical experience of being loved by the beloved, not in a way where the beloved says that I am unworthy or my personality is unworthy or my heart is not good enough or my desires don't count, but a beloved that says, I delight in you, Chris like I delight in the divine. And I think for me, number one, that saved me. That saved me. And today, you know, we are, like Andrew is saying, we are facing very difficult times. Our democracy is besieged. The, the, the greatest gifts of our Western civilization are under, under danger. So we need that to be able to, to really find that we are not alone, that we are in a, in a sweet, tender, loving relationship. And I realized, number two, that that relationship of, with, the, with the divine, where the divine affirms me as I affirm the divine, is really the key to relate to a woman or to relate to a man or to relate to, relate to, 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 to our children. It is to be able to have a great love, but a great love that affirms who they are. You know, to be able to tell my daughter, you are beautiful as you are, just grow and mature and deepen and take who you are to profundity. So that relationship with the beloved, an affirming relationship, a mutually affirming relationship is crucial and is at the same time, I believe, our guide to how we do relationship with the people that we adore. Beautiful. It couldn't be said more beautifully, I don't think. I just want everybody to appreciate the depth of what Chris is saying and also the revolutionary nature of it. Because so many of the mystical systems, as Chris said, are patriarchal in their humiliation of the ego and of the self. 
They tell us, as Chris said, that we are always not enough. And if we're ever going to deserve a relationship with God, we have to beat ourselves down and burn away. And this is devastating to the human race, because what the human race at this moment needs, as Chris said, is an awakening to the greatest of all mystical mysteries, which is the one that Chris tasted in Beirut and the one that has become unveiled to me. And that can be put very simply. What you awaken to is that you are the beloved of the beloved. Yes. That the beloved is as in love with you as you, as you are with the beloved. Yes. And that the beloved has created you as you are so that you can experience this holiest and most empowering of relationships. So you don't need to destroy yourself. You need to purify yourself, to work on yourself, but only to become more your unique self, that unique self that the beloved has created you to be and that the beloved already is beloved of in you. This has been known as a great secret in the evolutionary mystical systems. And one wonderful expression of it is in a 12th century poem that I'd love to read to everybody, which is my favorite poem at the moment, because it's a poem in which this process of awakening to being the beloved's beloved is expressed with an intensity and beauty that I don't think any other poem has ever achieved. So I'd love to read it. It was written yes. by Simeon, the new theologian, and it's about waking into one's embodied divine humanity with awe and wonder mm. as oneself. We awaken in Christ's body as Christ awakens our body. And my poor hand is Christ. He enters my foot and is infinitely me. I move my hand and wonderfully my hand becomes Christ, becomes all of him. For God is indivisibly whole and seamless in his godhood. I move my foot, and at once he appears like a flash of lightning. Do my words seem blasphemous? Then open your heart to him and let yourself receive the one who is opening to you so deeply. For if we genuinely love him, we wake up inside Christ's body, where all our body, all over, every most hidden part of it, is realized in joy as him, and he makes us utterly real. And everything that is hurt, everything that seemed to us dark, harsh, shameful, maimed, ugly, irreparably damaged, is in him transformed and recognized as whole, as lovely, and radiant in his light. We awake as the beloved in every last part of our body. Beautiful. To awaken Beautiful. as the beloved of the beloved is the ultimate task of human life. Mm. And to put that 
awakening in its joy and its tenderness and its passion for justice into action is the result of realizing that goal. And there can be no evolutionary relationship without connecting through deep sacred practice with that beloved, beloved relationship and then making the commitment to treat your partner or your friend or your radiant collaborator as the beloved who's manifesting in their own unique authenticity to join with you in a sacred dance of creativity that mirrors the great creative dance that is creating the universe. That's the relationship of evolutionary love. And that's the challenge and that's the glory. The great evolutionary leap will not be created by individual souls attaining what people imagine to be enlightenment. It will be created through relationship grounded in this revelation that Chris has put so beautifully and that Simeon the theologian understands this revelation of being already the beloved's beloved not just in your awakened heart not just in your aroused soul and not just in your illumined mind but in your body and in your desires and in your unique particularities that's the healing revelation that the sacred feminine is bringing and that's the revelation that we all deeply need to heal ourselves of the terrible self-doubt, self-loathing, fear, terror that actually are the foundations of this pathological narcissism that is now destroying everything. Because when you waken as the beloved of the beloved, you don't awaken to uh carte blanche to put yourself, whatever you imagine to be yourself, forward in every way that you imagine you need. You don't awaken to the secret, that dreadful film in which you just can go to the beloved and ask for the Malibu mansion or the Cuban houseboy or whatever you think you require. It's not an entitled relationship because once you awaken as the beloved of the beloved, you awaken on the one hand, to the glory of your essential nature, to the holiness and the beauty and the purity and the splendor of it, but you also awaken to your role in the world, your responsibility in and as a part of the body of the beloved, beloved by the beloved, to enact love through your own unique gifts, resources, passions. That's a really good point, Andrew. And this, I, I just really want to go there before the show closes today of, of really what you just said. Because as we waken, as the beloved of the beloved, we waken to this creative force of love. And if we truly are embodying this evolutionary love, then you write so eloquently in the book that we can't help but be in service of all of creation, of humanity. So where would you suggest our listeners, I'm sure they're all inspired right now just listening to these words, but some of them might say, well, I I don't have a passion for anything or I don't have, I'm not serving the whole world, but really this is about activating that creative love right in their own neighborhoods, right in their own passions. What would you say either Chris or Andrew, either one of you to where do we begin activating yes. this evolutionary love and the sacred activism? That, that, that is crucial. First of all, what Andrew was saying about 
you know, being the be- seeing ourselves as the beloved of the beloved, that is just unbelievably important. But to to, to respond to what you're saying, uh, which is so important, because I have dealt with hundreds and hundreds of people who have asked that question: Where where do I find my passion? Where do I find my calling? Where do I find what I'm supposed to do? And the answer for me is simple: In your authenticity. In your authenticity, if you go deep into yourself and ask yourself, you and only you, what is it that you love to do? And what is it that you don't love to do? See, a lot of spiritualities, they don't like the negative. Well, the negative is tremendously important. It's tremendously important that a person says, I don't like to do this. I don't like to do that. I am not called to do this. And then be able to come and say, and authentically, this is what I love. I have worked with uh, with large group on this question and, and told them, descend into your authenticity. And what would you do as a unique individual? What is your ideal on how you and only you would serve the world? Well, some people came and said, I want to work with animals. Some people said, I want to do paintings that have a social message for global peace and justice. Some people said... I want to go and work in an Indian reservation. Some people said, I want to go work with the homeless. But not everybody wanted to work with the homeless. Not everybody wanted to, to go to an Indian reservation or paint. But that, when you create a space and you give people the freedom, the freedom mm. to discover the ember in their heart that is uniquely yours, uniquely theirs. And that comes mm-hmm. with that respect of authenticity, which is the respect of negations, which is the respect of, you know, this is not what I'm called to do. This is not what I, um, I feel ecstatic doing. This is not what I feel passionate doing. But what I feel passionate doing is this. And then how can you find that this? By finding what you what is your ember, and then take it to the world. So I, I, am, I believe that it's authenticity. That's why it's so important uh, for couples to be able to create a space where they tell their partner, I am here to support you, discovering who you are, not changing you, but discovering who you are, because out of that discovery flows love, and out of that discovery flows a particular calling that then they can maintain, because the calling that is born out of authenticity is maintained, and sometimes is maintained throughout life. But a calling that comes because, oh, I should be doing this, this is what my gurus are saying, or whoever is saying, is not maintained. It, it, will, it will burn out after a while. Yeah. You know, let me just throw this in at you then, either of you, to respond, because I think this is an important piece of our evolutionary love relationships, is maintaining that authenticity, our unique purpose, our unique soul's signature. As a couple, we might be on the same page and both be out to save the whales or to to stop fracking, or we might pick up a, a cause, but we also can support one another in that authenticity to do our separate work and service. Absolutely, yes. I think that's very important because I know several couples that have the same cause and work with enormous love and intensity towards that same cause. I also know several couples who I would consider to be evolutionary lovers who have different related causes 
And it's extremely important not to make the relationship in any way uniform. The point of an evolutionary love relationship is, as Chris has said so beautifully, to honor and mirror the radical authenticity of the other, to celebrate that as an emanation of the divine beloved, as a particular manifestation of the eternal beloved. That's the goal of evolutionary relationship. And if your partner or your friend decides to pour his or her energies into something unique to them, which you're not equipped for, then hooray, celebrate that, live with that, love that. Take whatever responsibility you need to take for whatever inside you doesn't want them to realize their full potential and really work with that because that will block the flow both of personal love and of the energy that needs to flow out from that love through you both in either the same or interrelated ways. Yeah, and I think I think you know it is it is very important that uh, I mean most of the time people are going to find their individual calling, and it's not going to be a relationship calling, but an individual calling. But I think it's also very sweet if they can find that individual calling and and have their partner support totally support it, but then also find places where they can come together and do something together. And, and it might not be big. It might be small. It might be uh, done maybe four times a year or something like that. But it is very sweet also when a relationship also asks the question, what is the calling of our relationship? So it's like a triangle. You have the two sides of the triangle that are individual calling and, and supporting each other. And then the tip of the triangle is when the relationship discovers together. Because, again, a relationship is separateness. Is individual separateness, but it is also union. So the question becomes, you know, what is my calling as a separate individual, as an irreducible separate individual, and what is, our, what is the calling of our relationship? And to be able to address these two questions, I mean, like we do the same, what is the calling of our town or what is the calling of our country? So it is that paradox of individual authenticity irreducible, sacred incarnation into the, the one human being, but then to be able also, and it's, that's very sweet and tender, and, 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 and um, it's, it's, love, it's like lovemaking, finding the place where the two become one. And where can we serve as two being one? Mm-hmm. While at the same time knowing that maybe the biggest part of our calling is going to be very individual. But it will support the, the separation and the moments of union. And union doesn't only happen through lovemaking, which is great and awesome, but it also happens when we serve together. When we say, you know, this weekend we're going to go together and do something together. That increases love immensely. Mm. I'd love it, Chris, if you told that story, which you tell in the book, which moves me so much about a couple who was losing the love and whom you counseled to serve to discover a new source of love. Remember that story? You know what, Andrew? I'm going to encourage our listeners to pick up the book because it's in uh, there and we only have one minute left. And I oh, want to say thank you. Thank you. Right. I want to tell you how much I adore you and respect you and delight in in who you are. I wish I was sitting in the room during some same of your dialogues here, with this same book. Same here. Same oh. here. It's delightful to be with you and uh, and to be in dialogue with you and, and to follow your 
your uh, such generous lead. Oh, thank you. I have really enjoyed this hour. And I just want to just say, I know you guys are going to be teaching a class on this really soon. Our listeners can go to the website, look at your links for both of your um, websites are there and you can find out more about the upcoming class. And again, it's we are here Shift with Network. It's on the Shift Network and we will be teaching the book, of course, but we'll be teaching also our new formulations. So ideally, yes. if you love the book, don't feel that that's all that we have to say. We have a lot more cooking. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and we'd like to share our new cuisine with you. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you. We have been here with Andrew Harvey and Chris Zahadi and talking about evolutionary love relationships. And remember, you have been listening to All Things Connected. And I just... I just, oh, I'm, I'm like drunk in the beloved with the two of you here today. Thank you so much. And listeners, remember, together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I wish you a world of love. Bye for now. Bye.